And I'm picking your hair because you did too. So should we get into it? Are you ready for what he's got for you this morning? He's got new stuff every day for us, doesn't he? So good, so good. Well, today's message is fantastic, if I do say so myself. Today we're talking about small groups, and small groups are happening, and we are unapologetic about this. I'm not apologizing that I am talking about this again, and you can sit there, and you can roll your eyes at me, and you can growl like, oh my goodness, why are we talking about this again? But I'm unapologetic, because we believe that you should join a small group. And my prayer is that by the end of this, you'll know why. You'll have confirmation why. Now, this morning as you walked in, hopefully you would have all got a small group flyer. And look at this for coordination. It was not done on purpose. God is so funny. Anyway, um, as you walked in this morning, you would have got a flyer. And on the back here, on the back of this flyer, there is a bunch of small groups there's new small groups, there's small group courses, you name it, it's there. And over the last lockdown, we had some small group leaders pop out of the woodwork. People that said, you know what, I haven't been leading a small group, but I feel like this is my next step, and I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we give a round of applause to all those that are leading our small groups? So good. So good. There's a whole bunch there, loads of opportunities for you to connect. And I am so excited to see what God does with this and the fruit that's going to come from it. It is fantastic. Now, I'm going to start this morning's message with a question. The question is, can you remember the first day of school, the primary school I'm talking about? For some of you, I know this might take a moment. It's a wee while back. Primary school. Can you remember the first day of primary school? And often there was three questions. First three questions that you would come up with. The first one was, I wonder who my teacher is. Teachers are great, aren't they? Wonder who my teacher is. Second question was, I wonder who's going to be in my class. And the next question was, for me, and maybe for you, I wonder who I'm going to be sitting next to. Because you knew that who you sat next to was going to actually have a profound effect on the rest of what your year looked like. Didn't it? That's true. Now, little self-survey. Please do not point. Please do not put your hand up. You all fell into one of two categories of children in the classroom. You were either a student who was utilized for your ability to influence other children positively, in which case the teacher would position the naughty children around you in the hope that your good behavior would rub off on them. I'm hoping a lot of people resonated with that. Or <laughs> the second category is that you were positioned on your profound ability to influence people negatively. And your teacher would move you as far away from those who are easily led as possible. And you know which category you fell into. Who you sat next to was really important. And I don't believe for a second that it's any different today as an adult. 
who you surround yourself with, who you sit with in life is so, so important, isn't it? And I want to speak to you today from the topic of together is better. And I want you to remember this. If nothing else, together is better because we need each other. We were made for community. We need each other. And there's a story of a man in Scripture who was left sitting somewhere. And he was left sitting there because he was a paraplegic. He was paralyzed. And I think that if we were to ask him to come today and speak to us, that he would tell us that that particular day where the Bible's recalling what happened, he was incredibly grateful for where he was sitting that day and with whom he was sitting. This story is in Luke 5, and I'm just going to read it to you to bring you in on the picture. It's Luke 5, 17 to 20, and it's popping up on the screen. On one of those days while he, that's Jesus, was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and they'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then, some men came carrying a stretcher, on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him, but since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the huge crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then later in verse 24, it says, and he told the paralyzed man, Jesus said to him, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher and go home. He was healed. Now, I personally noticed something for me when reading the story. I noticed that often I assume that the men that were with him that day, that carried him that day, knew him. Maybe they were his friends. Maybe they were family. Maybe his brothers. But what I notice is the Bible doesn't say that it was friends or brothers. It just says it was men. Just says it was men. So I began to wonder, how did these men know him? How did they know where he was? They must have known him somehow. They must have known where to find him and what his needs and his situation was that he needed to be taken to Jesus. You see, this man was a paraplegic. He had a mat that he sat on. He would have had a specific place that he went to every day to beg for food, for needs, for provisions. And I wonder if these men were from his community. I wonder if they too sat with him and also begged for their provisions. I wonder if they were part of his needy community. Or I wonder if they were amongst the wealthy in his community. I wonder if they were the business owners of the local shops and they saw them there. I wonder if they had helped him before. I don't know how they knew this man, but I bet he was glad that he was positioned where he was and with whom he was on that day. because where he sat that day mattered more than ever before. Why? Because he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. 
It wasn't going to happen. He couldn't have got to Jesus without them. He needed these men. And perhaps this man's story this morning can be a reminder to us as well that you and I need each other. We need each other. There's going to be seasons in our lives when we simply cannot get to where we need to go without each other. We need people to carry us. There's seasons when we need somebody to carry us. Together is better because we need each other. I want to share with you three things this morning on what together actually means. And my first point is together means a shared perspective. Last year, Daryl and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary and we had the privilege to do an overseas trip. And while we were overseas, we visited a place uh, in southern Italy called Pompeii. Now, Pompeii is an archaeological site in the southern part of Italy, and it's a city. It was a Roman city, a thriving city that was tragically buried under six meters of ash and pumice after the, um, the mountain close to them erupted in 79 AD. Now they've excavated a lot of the ruins and as visitors you can walk around and you can have a little look. And as we started to look, as we started to walk around together before the guide, all we could see was ruins. All we could see was rubble. We were like, I'm not quite sure what they're going on about, I can't see a city here, or the remains of a city. But our guide began to tell us what we couldn't see. You see, on the very streets we were walking, she said, these are the main streets. There was once a thriving city here. The, the, the carts and the horses went here. The water used to run here. Can't you see that stone and that stone? That's where you went over as you crossed over the rivers, over the paths. She pointed out to us where families and ha- would have slept and eaten and gathered, where they collected their water from where they would have got married. We looked at houses that would have been owned by the rich. There was still incredible tiles on the floor. And then homes that were those that kind of were more struggling to make ends meet. We saw two towered um, shops where the owners would live on the top and the shop would be down below. We saw leftovers of ovens. As the guide walked around with us, this city became alive for us. We could see what we couldn't see before. Initially, we saw rubble, we saw destruction, we saw ruins, but she told us what we couldn't see. The truth is we need others to see what we can't amongst our rubble, amongst the the leftovers in our life against the mess, against the hurt. We need somebody to be able to see that. Can I just have my helpers up? That would be great. Just got some little helpers today. Thanks, boys. Now, these men that were with the paralyzed man on the mat, they could see higher, couldn't they? They could see Jesus. They could see where the breakthrough was. But this, this man here, his frailties, 
his iniquities, the hurt, the pain, the journey, he, he couldn't see. He couldn't see where he needed to go. But these men, they had different eyes. They could see where the breakthrough was. They could see where Jesus was. They needed to get him to Jesus. We need others to see what we can't see. He needed their perspective. He needed their sight. He needed their faith. He needed to be carried by them in this season. Can I tell you what? There's seasons where this is swapped. This is a forever moving thing. But in this story, in this time, this guy, he needed their vision, their encouragement. Don't quit. Don't quit. They didn't give up on him. They didn't say, oh, well, we tried. Too bad. Didn't work. No, they kept going. They kept going. They kept pressing in, kept believing for him. There's a picture of small group right there for you. Thanks, guys. Together is better because we need each other to provide a shared perspective. Together also means having a vision for an alternative way. My husband loves chocolate. And if you've been in this place for long, you know that, a lot of you know that. But I think that's because chocolate comes from cocoa, which comes from a tree. And I think he thinks it counts as a salad. I think he thinks it counts as his five plus a day. But recently, recently we were in the grocery shop and we found an alternative option. We found a bar of chocolate that has extremely low sugar and low carbs and it's high in fiber. I know. Now, it sounds too good to be true and it sounds like it wouldn't remotely taste like chocolate, but it does. It does, and he likes it. Win-win. And he's even tested out on a male friend who also eats a whole lot of cocoa salad. And he also agreed that it's not too bad. It costs a small fortune, and there's only four small bars in each box. But it's much healthier and and an alternative way to embrace the cocoa salad with a more salad-like result. You see, I believe we all need people in our lives that are going to point out that perhaps the usual or the obvious way isn't the only way. See, many of us will try to find our answer, our breakthrough, our solution through the same door as everybody else. When what we really need is friends. We really need friends who will help us not through the door, but they'll actually get up on the roof they'll remove that tile and they'll lower you down right in front of Jesus. That's the friends I want. 
That's the friends I want. Verse 19 said, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. When the answer they needed wasn't available and wasn't able to be maintained one way, they found another way. They didn't give up. They didn't leave him there and put it in the too hard basket. They persevered. You know, there's countless stories online of people who came meters away from crossing the finish line of a race, only to collapse as their legs give out on them. I found one such story of a marathon runner called Chandler Self, who was leading in the Dallas Marathon. Her legs collapsed underneath her three times when a stranger who was running in second place came and picked her up and took her across the line and let her win. There's another story of a boy who completed a triathlon with a prosthetic leg. He was competing in it and his prosthetic leg failed in the final stages. You know, there was a Marine in the crowd. He came, picked that boy up, and he took him across the finish line. There's gonna be seasons. There will be seasons when we feel as though we can't make it. We will be tempted to give up and we'll be tempted to quit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of seasons like that in my life. Perhaps for you right now, that's something you're facing right in this moment. And maybe it's so painful and it's been going on for so long that you can't even pray for it anymore. You think your only option is to give up. But what we really need is each other, to persevere for each other, to press in, to push forward. What we really need is people in our world to pull the tiles off the roof and lower us down before Jesus. That's what we need. Can I tell you that's what prayer is? That's exactly what prayer is. Prayer lifts somebody up who can't in that moment and lowers them down in front of Jesus. That's what prayer does. When they can't do it for themselves, you do it for them. The power of prayer. We need each other to provide a shared perspective, vision for an alternative way and a multiplication of our faith. Have you ever seen the show The X Factor? I'm sure most of you have. Every now and then you get a season where there's, there's people that have auditioned individually on their own, and they're good, like they're really good, they're good, but they get asked by one of the judges to combine together. They combine their talent to create one, an even greater talent. Individually, they were good, but they might not have got all the way. But together, they're great. And if you've got a teenage girl, then you'll know that One Direction was one of those bands. Together, they can go all the way. And often the same thing is, the same thing takes place with our faith. You see, we ourselves can conjure up enough faith to maybe believe for a car park, or for a pay rise. But many times we feel like our faith, faith, it 
it's not big enough to take us all the way. But I wonder if God's intention was not just for individual faith that grows, but for a corporate body of faith that grows rapidly and exponentially, taking incredible ground for him and for each other. A faith added, a faith multiplied, that when together it's far stronger, is far greater, that it can, and it can take us all the way. An exponential faith. You see, in verse 20, it said, seeing their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith, their faith, not just his faith. It was the faith of the men with him, not just one, but all of them. It was all their combined faith that stirred Jesus to heal. You see, there's gonna be seasons in our life where we can't seem to muster faith. I've been there. Feel so broken, we feel so disappointed. We've lost sight of what it was that we felt God was calling us to. The Bible says one thing, but we feel another thing. Can feel impossible in different seasons. But can I tell you that maybe there's someone that can stand near you. Maybe there's someone in the season that can stand with you. There's someone in the season that can believe for you. Combined faith. And I believe that's why being part of a corporate body of believers is so important. Because they'll believe when you can't. They'll sing when you can't sing. They'll pray when you can't pray. They'll praise when you can't praise on your behalf. And this is why small groups is such an enormous part of our church. To always have someone that knows your names praying for you, bringing you before Jesus. It's why we're so insistent that you join one because we truly believe that you need it. Your perspective needs it, your vision needs it, and your faith needs it. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you created us for a life of community. Lord God, Lord, I thank you that we might be sitting in a room where we don't really know many people, but perhaps maybe, Lord, we're in this room, we're here, positioned and placed for a reason. Thank you, Lord God, that your heart is that we are in relationship with others. Your heart is community. And thank you, Lord God, that when we do, God, the big picture comes together. Faith, perspective, strength, prophecy, life, support. Thank you, Jesus. Just while everyone's eyes are closed, I just want to pray for one more group of people this morning. Maybe you're here today and you say, Denise, you're talking about community, but I don't have a community, I don't even have community with God. You're talking about connection, but I don't even have a connection with God, let alone people. 
I want to tell you today that God's heart is that you are in relationship with Him. You see, God in His mercy, He sent His Son to die on a cross for you and for me because we've all sinned. We've all messed up. But God sent His sinless Son to die a sinner's death. And the moment He died on that cross, He took our sin on Him once and for all. No going back. And this morning, I want to offer you an opportunity Maybe you say that you're so far away from God, it's even bizarre you're in church this morning. I want to give you this opportunity. Don't miss this moment to give your heart back to Jesus. He formed you, He made you with an absolute passion in His heart. And I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to say a prayer in a minute and I want to give you the opportunity to take Him up on the price He paid on the cross for you and for me. So if that's you, if you just want to pray with me as I pray in your heart. Father God, I thank You that You love me. Lord God, and I thank You that You died on the cross for me. Lord God, I ask that You forgive me everything that's come between us. Lord God, I pray right now that you come and you live in my heart as Lord and Saviour. Lord God, I want to honour you and I want to choose you as the Lord of my life. And I receive you right now. I ask that you come and take residence in me. Lord God, I pray that you lead me and you guide me in your way and in your plan and your destiny for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And just while everyone's eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, can I just get you just to, on the count of three, pop your hand up quickly for me to see because I want to see who I'm praying for at home, who I'm bringing before Jesus. And we also want to support you. So just while nobody's looking, on the count of three, if you can just pop your hand up. And down again, that'll be great. One, two, three. 